Good morning, Bethel. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to see all of you on this crisp Sunday morning. Uh, all of you get to pull out all of your jackets and your boots and all of that and get ready for, uh, get ready for the Christmas season. Only to turn around and it'd be back in the 80s again this week. Uh, welcome to living in Florida. So, uh, well, there were two shopkeepers who were bitter rivals. Their stores were directly across the street from each other. And they would spend each day keeping track of the number of customers that went into each other's shops. If one got a customer, he would look across the aisle and smile and triumph at his rival across the street. One night, a genie appeared to one of the shopkeepers and said, I will give you anything you ask, but whatever you receive, your competitor will get twice as much as I give you. You can be very rich, but your rival will be twice as rich. You can live to, be a, to have a long life, but your rival will live twice as long and be twice as wealthy. So I ask you, what do you want? You can have this long life and healthier, but just remember, he's going to have twice as much. So what is your desire? The man thought for a moment, and he frowned, and then he said, Here's my request. Strike me blind in one eye. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? We're talking about emotions this morning. So I'm going to ask you, <laughs> what emotion do you think we're talking about today? If you looked at the YouVersion Bible app, you would already know. What are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about jealousy this morning. We're jealous. It's an emotion that we all struggle with from time to time. You know, we, we talk about jealousy sometimes in a light way, as if it's a cute little thing like a green monster or something like that. Yet the wise Solomon tells us that jealousy is worse than anger and wrath. He says in Proverbs 27.4, Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Another translation said it this way, jealousy is more dangerous and cruel than anger. Man, think about that. Why is Solomon jealousy? It starts when? It starts as a child. Children are jealous of each other and the things that each other have, and it just, it can last a lifetime. Solomon wants us to see what, what jealousy is, what it's really worth. It can decimate a friendship. It can dissolve a romance. It can destroy a marriage. It can shoot tension through the ranks of all sports. Just this week, I was watching the, um, the, the spat that Scottie Pippen going on Good Morning America, talking bad about Michael Jordan. I was thinking, man, my message is jealousy. Jealousy there between those two sports figures. It can foster bitterness in a family and can fragment relationships on just about every front. Jealousy is a dangerous thing, especially in the life of a believer. But it can be overcome when we recognize that we serve a sovereign God who is in control. He is in control. We're going to take a look today from, about a story of jealousy from the Old Testament. I think that this story 
It starts in Genesis chapter 27. It goes to the end of the book of Genesis. And I would highly encourage you to read this story this week. I think it may be the best story in all of ancient literature, regardless of the Bible. It's, I, I think it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible, but I think it might be the best in all of ancient literature. I don't have time to, to, to read all you know, dozen or more chapters this morning, so I'm going to have to skip through a lot of the story, but I want you to go back and read the story of the life of Joseph, which starts in Genesis chapter 37. It's about a 17-year-old man whose life was good and his future looked bright. Yet he is about to face unfair accusations and the repercussions of the jealousy of his brothers and their bitterness. In fact, Joseph would spend much of his life being falsely accused and facing the repercussions by the hands of those who were jealous of him. His life would be altered at the age of 17. We've got quite a few 16, 17, 18-year-olds in here this morning. His life would be changed forever because of this emotion of jealousy. We're gonna, first of all, we're going to see in his life the root of jealousy and where it started in his life. It was something that he learned. Because of jealousy, Joseph was hated by his brothers. Joseph was just a common teenager. And you can imagine how he felt, knowing that his brothers hated him. Being the youngest and having all of these older brothers that hated him. It's bad enough to be hated by strangers, but to be hated by the ones you love, for whom you mean good and who are family. That must have been difficult for Joseph to cope with. Back in this time, polygamy was very common. And his father, Joseph's father, Jacob had two wives. And Joseph was the son of one of his wives. And his other brothers were the sons of his other wife. And there was jealousy because, jo because Jacob favored Joseph. Jo Jacob gave preference to Joseph, and his brothers became jealous. They became envious of the favor that Joseph received. This root began with his parents. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any uh, other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. Joseph was his dad's favorite son. We see this jealousy starting here at an at a early age. Rightly or wrongly, J Jacob cherished Joseph in ways that he didn't show to his other sons. And his other sons hated Joseph. That jealousy turned into hatred. So the rivalry between the two wives was a part of the root which grew into the life of the boys. Let's keep reading here. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So you guys, I'm sure, have heard the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors. Let me give you a little bit of a background of culture of what happens here to kind of understand this jealousy situation. The more accurate Hebrew translation is not really a coat of many colors. Maybe it was a lot of colors, but the significant thing was it was a long coat. Most tunics or coats back then were sleeveless and they stopped at the knees. 
and that was because someone had a sleeveless coat that stopped at the knees, that was signified as a workman, someone who was out in the field or in the shop, someone who was doing physical manual labor had a coat that stopped at the knees and that was sleeveless. The long sleeve coat that would come down as far as the ankles was signifying someone who did not have to work or someone who was wealthy. You'd have to think it would be difficult to work with a coat down to your knees that was long sleeved. So it was someone who is, I'm high society. I am above the rest of you because I do not have to work. So when Joseph appeared before his brothers with that coat, the coat signified Joseph's preeminence over them. And it just continued to foster that jealousy and that envy inside of their hearts. Verse 5, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. They became more and more jealous of their brother Joseph. In verses 6 through 8, Joseph tells his brothers that what he dreamed about. He dreamed that they were in the field binding sheaves of grain. And when suddenly his sheep rose up and their sheaves all bowed down to him. Now, come on, Joseph. You, you kind of have to read between the lines here and see that there's a little bit of jealousy happening with your brothers. Why are you going to tell them this dream and even make them more jealous. He had another dream uh, in verses 9 through 11. That, we, that it was basically the same thing, just had different symbols. His dad heard Joseph's dream. Jacob, he thought it was a joke and he laughed, but his brothers didn't. Verse 11 reports that his brothers were jealous or envious of him, but his father kept all of these sayings in his mind. They were really believed that one day... Joseph's brothers, they believed it, that one day his dream would come true. That's part of why they were so jealous and so upset. They believed that God was speaking through their brother Joseph. For Joseph, self-pity and jealousy and anger finally pushed them over this dangerous line. They were mad at their father for his favoritism. They were mad at God for the good things that were coming to their brother and not to them. And Joseph's brothers hated him because of their jealousy. So we see the root of the jealousy started with the family. Started with the family, how they played the favoritism. So hard, so many times, our kids want to try to pit us against each other, each other don't we? You know, so many times I'll have one child say, I'm your favorite child, right? You guys smile because you know your kids do that. And they try to pit us into saying, yes. You know, Rachel always say, you're my favorite firstborn daughter. You're my favorite secondborn daughter. You're my favorite son. You know, she likes to politically maneuver around that question, even though our, our kids try to catch us uh, in that. But as parents, it's on us to make sure that we are loving all of our kids and showing them the love of God and not playing that that favoritism, that started this root of jealousy. We're going to see how our hearts react, the reaction of jealousy here with his brothers. One of the greatest blessings of our life is to live a life of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is really the opposite of jealousy. The Bible reveals many people who are thankful. Sometimes even under difficult circumstances, they had a thankful heart. 
And as a result, they lived at peace with God and themselves. However, the Bible reveals many who are the opposite of thankful. And they live their life jealous of what the world around them has or does. So let's look at what happens as a result of the jealousy that Joseph's brothers allowed to overcome them. Verse 8. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. The reaction of their fruit of their jealousy, it was hatred. It was bitterness. Their hatred came out on Joseph, but they were really angry. The root of their anger was with God. Remember that. When we're angry, when we're jealous, it's really not so much toward that other person as though it's toward God. Because God is the one in control. If we truly believe that God is ultimately in control of every circumstance that comes into our lives, then who are we to be angry at someone because of their circumstance or our circumstance? Bitterness means that we have abandoned the providential goodness of God to rule and overrule the events of our life. We're saying, God... I know better than you do. I'm ultimately, yeah, I say I'm mad at this person, but I'm mad at you because I think that what you gave them, I should have. I know better. Saying, God, I should be God and not you. If you're bitter or jealous at someone this morning, you've decided that God didn't handle it rightly, so now you need to take over. Joseph was clearly his father's favorite son. He walked with the Lord and communicated something of Joseph's future. All of this drove Joseph's brothers over the edge. Think about it. Was the favoritism Joseph's fault? No. That was because of Jacob and their father. Were the dreams Joseph's fault? No. So why was Joseph the target of their hatred? Well, they couldn't be upset at their father because they needed their father in a patriarchal society. They needed their father for their, their well-being and their, their living. And they knew they couldn't battle God. So they picked the next scapegoat. And who was that? That was Joseph. We do that so many times in our life as well. We look at someone else. When we're upset with the circumstances in our life, we take that frustration and we hoist it upon somebody else in the form of jealousy. Why did God make me like this and not like them? They're so smart. Why can't I understand this and make good grades the way that they do? Why is this person always the one coming up with the great proposals at work? Why, why can't I think strategically like they think so I can be the one in front? Why are they such a good salesman? Why are they hitting all their sales goals? Years ago, I learned that sometimes the venom people vent on you is not really about you. You're just the convenient target. Remembering that can help you when someone's anger just does not seem to make logical sense. God teaches us to pray for them and return evil for good. There's no question that the result of Joseph's brothers was jealousy, bitterness, and hatred. So let's see their reaction. We're not going to have time to read all these verses this morning, but verses 12 through 24 tells us 
that Joseph's father Jacob said, go find your brothers. The brothers were out with the sheep in the field. And at that time, the herds would migrate for miles around where they lived. And so I need you to go find your brothers, find out how they're doing, and report back to me. So Joseph leaves the home. Now, no doubt his brothers are probably upset and jealous that Joseph's not out in the field with them, with the sheep. You can't forget that. He's at home with the father. Um, he leaves, and on five days' journey it took him to, out in the wilderness to find his brothers. We're not talking like they're just over the next hill or two. We're talking they're miles and miles away. And he finally finds his brothers who were shepherding the flocks. Verses 18 through 20 say that his brothers saw him coming from afar off, and they conspired against him to kill him. Look at the end result of this jealousy. This jealousy that continually works itself down this path, going to a place where none of us want to go. Fortunately, Reuben, the oldest brother, intervened, convincing his brothers not to murder their brother, but to throw him into an abandoned well nearby while they figure out what they're going to do with Joseph. You can see the scene in your mind as Joseph approaches, wearing this tunic that's so offensive to them, and calling out greetings to them. And as he approaches the camp of where they are camping, his brothers jump him. No doubt probably beat him up and throw him into this abandoned well. It says, verse 24, And they took him and threw him into a pit, the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And as Joseph wept aloud and no doubt begged and pleaded with his brothers nearby, can you imagine how sinister and evil you would have to be to hear your brother crying and begging for his life while you sat and ate a meal together? That's how hard their hearts had become. To make their revenge even more tasty, it just so happened that a caravan of merchants were coming by them. It says in verse 28, Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So now they've got a conundrum. They just made a profit off their, their brother, but remember this was their father's favorite son. What are they going to do? They can't take responsibility for selling their brother into slavery. They get rid of Joseph. They thought once and for all they sold him to slavery and they put the finishing touches on the way home. They took his coat, his tunic, his long coat of many colors. They put some animal blood on it and took it home and told their father, we found Joseph's coat. A wild animal, a wild beast must have killed him when you sent him looking for us. And the scripture says that Jacob's heart was destroyed, concluding that his son is dead, plunging him into an inconsolable sorrow. This is the reaction of jealousy. Jealousy will take us down a path that we never thought we would go, to do actions, to hurt someone, that we thought, man, I would never do that. This is jealousy. 
How should we respond? How should our hearts respond? What is the response of jealousy? Jealousy is like any other sin. If you do not control it, it will control you. It was once said, our envy of others devours us most of all. Our jealousy or envy ends up hurting us. We think that our, our jealousy or envy is hurting the other person, but it's eating us up from the inside out. In the story of Joseph's brothers and Joseph receiving the blunt end of their jealousy, I think there are two things that every Christian should learn. We should respond by forsaking. If we have any good sense to us, we learn from this Bible story and others that we must forsake jealousy at all costs. We must be cognizant of the response of our heart and forsake it. It says in Romans 12, 19 through 21, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We must forsake jealousy. That person in your heart that you are jealous of, we as Christians to push back against that, must find ways to serve them, to minister them, and ultimately love them. We must. We must. Another thing is we respond by forgiving. As Joseph lay at the bottom of the pit, not knowing whether he was going to live or die, he had an invitation to bitterness in his heart. He could have said, you know what, I am going, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get my brothers back. Sounds like, you know, a movie or a story. Make, make a good plot line there. I'm going to get them back. But Joseph took a different path. He fought off self-pity and rejection and dealt quickly with any kind of Bitterness by forgiving and trusting God. He could do this only because he believed that God was greater than the jealousy of his brothers and that God was greater than the circumstances that he currently found himself in. Think about that. How much worse could it be than being sold into slavery and still knowing that your God is in control? There's a story about a man, a sailor, whose boat went down. And he was able to get a small raft with some supplies on it, and he eventually drifted to a desert island. There he constructed a makeshift shelter and lived on what little food he had. Time after time, he tried to attract the attention of passing boats, but he always failed. Finally, he saw a ship approaching more closely, and he hurriedly set a fire to blaze on the island, trying to get the ship's attention. To his dismay, the ship passed by and was quickly fading from his sight. Accidentally, the sparks from the signal fire set 
the thatched roof of his shelter into flames. And the man watched hopelessly and helplessly as all of his provisions that he had saved from the boat were burnt to ash. All was lost, he reasoned. And life, he thought, I can't live much longer. I've got no food. I've got no supplies. Suddenly he noticed the ship which had passed by him was turning around and approaching the island more closely than before. To his great relief, the crew had seen him and came back to rescue him. Once on board, the grateful survivor went to the captain of the ship to express his thanks. And he said, by what cause did you turn around after you had already passed by me? He asked. And the captain says, why we saw the signal fire you had made by setting your shelter on fire. It was big enough for us to see and we turned around and came back to rescue you. The very thing which seemed to seal the doom of this marooned man, the burning of all of his supplies and his shelter, was actually the means of his delivery. What seemed to spell disaster for him became the instrument of his salvation. That is precisely the case of the story of Joseph and his brothers in Genesis. But through all of the suffering that Joseph experienced because of all the jealousy of his brothers, Joseph continued to trust God. Joseph had been abruptly torn from his father and his family. He was removed from the godly influences of Jacob and those that served the one true God and was sent to Egypt to live among the Egyptians. While in Egypt, just to give you a high-level view of Joseph's life, Joseph was sold to a man named Potiphar. He worked as a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph and tried to pull Joseph into her bedroom, of which Joseph denied and said no, standing up and doing what was right. Again, out of angered Potiphar's wife, went to Potiphar and told him the exact opposite story and said, Joseph was trying to be with me. Potiphar, in his anger, threw Joseph into prison. Think about this. All of these things that have gone wrong in Joseph's life, in slavery, he's still being looked at and done wrong. While in prison, you think that this man's forgotten about. But no, remember, God is in control. He meets the wine bearer and the baker from Pharaoh in prison. They don't, scripture doesn't tell us why they're there. And while there, they have a dream, and Joseph interprets their dreams, or God interprets it for Joseph, and he tells them their dreams. Eventually, the baker and the wine bearer are released. The wine bearer goes back into service to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is there, and he has a dream that drives him crazy. Nobody can interpret his dream. And the wine bearer says, oh, I remember this guy that I met while I was in prison, Pharaoh. Remember when you sent me to prison and I was there? And yeah, you, uh, there was this guy that I met there in prison that he told me my dream. And Pharaoh says, send him here. Joseph tells Pharaoh his dream, and then he interprets his dream for him. And the interpretation of that dream was, oh, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of great economy, seven years where we're going to have tons of food, and then seven years of famine. 
So I suggest, oh great Pharaoh, that during these seven years of plenty, we store up grain so we have food during the seven years of, of famine. And Pharaoh says, that was my dream. And so Joseph, I want you to carry out this plan of saving up. And I'm making you second in command in all of, you, in all of Egypt. I told you, this is a great story. Maybe you can make a great Netflix series out of this. This would be a great, great series of all of the twists and turns of Joseph's life. It gets better. Hang on, I'm going to finish the story here for you. The famine not only reached Joseph or Egypt, but it reached to Joseph's brothers as well in Israel. Joseph's brothers heard that there was food in the land of Egypt. They came down to Egypt to get food because... Egypt saved up during their seven years of plenty. They come before the court of Joseph, not recognizing that this was their brother. This has been you know, probably 20 years, and he's dressed up in the makeup and all of the, the gowns of, of an Egyptian, not realizing that it was their brother. They come before Joseph's court asking for food. To me... And I'm skipping a ton of this story. You guys have to go read it. He comes down in tears before his brothers. Not in bitterness. Not in anger. But says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Think about the fear that went through the veins of every single one of his brothers. They probably thought, oh crap, we're dead men. He has all of the power and the might of Egypt to annihilate us. But Joseph said, God sent me ahead to save our people. God took your evil act and used it for the good of our family. Go get our father Jacob, go get your wives and your children and bring them to Egypt so I can watch over us. At the end of the story, they all come to Egypt. Joseph takes care of the families from his position of power in Egypt. And Jacob dies. And again, the brothers think, okay, this is Joseph's chance to get vengeance on us. Now that our father is dead, he can wipe us out. And Joseph responds to them. As for you, this is Genesis 50 verse 20, the end of this great story. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Man, what a way to respond. I would love to think that I would respond that way. But thinking about all of the evil that was committed against Joseph all of his life, but yet he knew 
that God was in control. God controlled all of the evil, wicked circumstances that he found himself. All of the sin that was committed against him, he remembered that God was in control. All because of his brother's jealousy, and yet he offers them forgiveness. Why? Why can we offer forgiveness to those whom sin against us? Why can we offer forgiveness to those who are evil and wicked toward us? Because of Christ. Because of what Christ has done for us. You see, every day, you and I, we wake up, and because of our sinful bodies that we live in, we commit sin against a holy God moment by moment in our life. And yet God, in his love for us, offers us forgiveness because of the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I ask you this morning, who in your life have you struggled with jealousy? Who have you had jealous thoughts of? Maybe you're like that shopkeeper (laughs) with the genie that you just want to have your eye plucked out so they all have both gone. Maybe that jealousy has gone so deep into your heart that you're like Joseph's brothers. If that person were to die, it would not even affect you. You'd be glad that they were gone. Who in your life, who in your heart, a lot of times it's someone close that's a family member that you've struggled with for years. Do you need to forsake the jealousy. As Paul said in Romans, return the evil for good and you need to forgive. A forgiving heart is a thankful heart. And a thankful heart is one that lives at peace. And I think that's something that we all want in our life. To be able to lay down our head at night knowing that we are at peace with God and peace with our fellow man. Let's pray.